Coming up on this week's episode, we look at how defending champions Liverpool got on, a look at Tottenham and Everton and could the roles reverse this season, have Arsenal strengthened enough this summer, and the wonders of White are back, and Liam's got another football story, so let's get started. Hello and welcome to the start of season three uh, from View from the Sideline podcast. It's Chris here and Liam is here. Hello, Liam. Good evening, Chris. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, mate. You? Yeah, yeah. Not too bad. I'm I'm patiently waiting for the season to start for me. Well, but, us, uh, well my season starts in 10 minutes. Yeah, it's about to get so, underway for you. I've got a little bit longer to wait. Yeah, obviously uh, your game was uh, called off um, because man, just, you know, I got to... Uh, got further in the Open League than uh, anticipated, so yeah. But uh, uh, Burton uh, Albion but, first before we uh, before uh, we kick off the Premier League. <laughs> Burton Albion, Burton Albion away in the Carabao Cup. Wow, um, I did see today that they're going to be streaming all the games, aren't they? Um, if they're not actually live on TV, so yeah, I hope so. I, I, I wouldn't mind watching a few of our new players because I really don't know much about them. Do you think they'll play? Do you think you'll just use uh, it as friendly? I think probably a few of the youngsters might get a game, but I think it would be daft not to play a few of the new signings just to get them bedded in for a game. Um, but yeah, we'll wait and see. I don't know. He's always a bit unpredictable at cup games. Yeah. So well, um, well, we might as well get started. And as always, uh, Liam, uh, you've got a teaser, I believe. I do. I do have a teaser. So this week I've tried for something different. You know, new season and all that. So um, basically, what you've got to do is guess the player from their career path so i'm just going to give you a list of clubs in order that mm-hmm. the player played for and at the end of the podcast i just want you to tell me whose Who career is. path this is okay. so uh this week we've got seven clubs so we go psv barcelona chelsea middlesbrough liverpool marseille and sunderland Hmm. You've so thrown, if you're thrown it in a little there. bit later, there is a couple of slight hints that I can maybe give you a little bit later on, but it's worth can having you, a um, think. Just say the team names again. I can. So we've got PSV was who they made their debut for. Mm-hmm. They went to Barcelona and then went to Chelsea. After that, they went to Middlesbrough and Liverpool and then a trip over to France with Marseille and then back over to England with mm-hmm. Sunderland. Uh, the Chelsea bit's got me stumped a little bit because I'm trying to think <clears throat> there can't be too many players that have probably played for both Chelsea and Liverpool so I'll uh, have a think I, have have a think, I yeah. can give a few hints later on if okay. you want All right, well, yeah. a few notes um, just to make it a little bit easier we might need them. We might need them. So we'll uh, we'll get into this week's talking points and we're going to start with uh, Liverpool defending champions took on Leeds at the weekend Um I can't say many would have predicted the scoreline, uh, 4-3 to Liverpool. Um, but there were a few shaky moments for Liverpool at the back, um, especially with, with Virgil van Dijk and Trent, both sort of errors leading to goals. And, and obviously Harrison's goal was, was, was a cracking goal, but obviously for him to get round that many players and, and to get shot away as well, just didn't look like the Liverpool that we saw last season. 
it could be a number of things. It could just be the, you know, first game of the season syndrome. Um, but considering they haven't really signed anyone, um, I think it was quite a surprising result, really. Yeah, um, it was uncharacteristic of the Liverpool that we saw last year in defence. Um, I think, like you say, it could be a number of things, but for me, it looked a little bit of um, maybe match awareness. They're obviously used to playing with a high line. Mm-hmm. Um, Leeds are quite an attacking team. They are, they've carried very much on the same wavelength as they were in the Championship. And I think that maybe, obviously, we've had a little bit of a break. It's not as long as normal, but I think maybe they've uh, lost a yard or two of pace, meaning when they play that high line, we saw a few times a ball over the top or something like that. Obviously, Van Dyke with miscontrol created one goal. And there was another ball over the top where it looked like Alexander Arnold was just struggling a little bit for pace, uh, which let Harrison sort of advance and score. Um, attacking wise, though, it was like nothing had changed for Liverpool. I mean, they. Uh, no. It just, I mean, honestly, it could have ended 6 all, and I wouldn't have said that that was you know completely uncalled for you know there were so many chances I think Leeds had the ball in the back of the net a couple of times and ruled out for offside Um, I think even Liverpool had a goal or two ruled out it's just (laughs) you don't get games like that in the early stages of the season do you I think it was just I think they may have underestimated Leeds a little bit and I think Mm -hmm. when Leeds actually got the equaliser to make it 1-0 I think that might have shooken them up a little bit at the back and and maybe made them a bit more nervous seeing obviously someone as experienced as Virgil van Dijk making a mistake maybe mm. um you know just put it in the other players minds but uh I've got to hand it to Leeds so I thought I thought they made it a very entertaining game and and they were well in this game and, and not many would have predicted um are you going to congratulate them? <laughs> to be fair, I've got, I've got to be honest, as much as I have a, you know, Leeds fans tend to have a problem with me, I, I do appreciate that they are a good side. And yeah, yeah. going forward, I was a bit surprised that Bamford started after you've made a record sign-in for a new striker. But, yeah. you know, he got a goal, so fair, fair enough. Um, going forward, I don't think Leeds are going to have any issues this year. I think they are going to score a lot of goals. Um, it just remains to be seen defensively. Obviously, they've conceded oh, yeah, yeah. four against Liverpool, which, you know, good teams are going to do. It, it, Liverpool are so good at attacking, that that's, doesn't really matter. Um, but I think they had a few injuries. Obviously, they've lost Ben White, who's gone back to Brighton and, you know, maybe getting a transfer elsewhere. Oh, yeah. They tried hard. Yeah, and, you know, I think, I don't know... <laughs> whether he'd probably want to go back there. I, I think maybe he would. They've obviously given him his 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 sort of break in football. But, um, you know, maybe he sees his, his career at bigger and better things at the minute. There's a lot of big teams that are after him. But I yeah. think they're going to score a lot. They might concede a lot. But with Bielsa's work ethic and how he sort of trains his players to... They just outrun and outmuscle everybody. They're just they're such a physical team. I think they're going to do well this year. I, I can see yeah. them finishing comfortably in the mid, in mid-table. I think out of the three that have come up, I think... They're the strongest. You know, all, although defeated, you know, is, is not... You know, I think they've got Fulham next week as well, Leeds, so that'll be a good sort of test for them to see yeah. what they Especially can do. because I think a few of the championship teams um, that have come up this year haven't maybe spent wisely or haven't spent enough. 
Um, well, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? I mean, Fulham, we moaned out for spending too much when they came up the last no, time. Now we're spending enough. Spending enough. <laughs> so it's, it's finding a balance in that. But, you know, Leeds transfers this year have been OK. Rodrigo, I'm, I'm not so sure about. He's not... Um, a prolific goal scorer. No, no. But he could prove me wrong. I don't, you know, he's been he's been playing for top clubs in Europe, so there there must be something there um, that scouts know that I don't. But I I think Leeds a bit will be fine. And I, I think they've bought well. I think they had a good base there to begin with. There's players that have been at the club for a long time, like um, we saw Click score, and I think Aylin was part of a lot of good things of what they did going yeah. forward. Yeah, I know you know him very player. well. Yeah. But he's a good player, and to have <clears throat> yeah, players like that good. in your yeah. team, and they've been there for sort of four or five years, I think it'll do Leeds good. Mm. We'll move on to um, two teams that I think we both agree on may roll reverse this year. Um, mm. So um, Tottenham versus Everton. Um, some really exciting signings for Everton. I think they've really strengthened that sort of midfield of, especially Allen and Decore. Um, yeah. I think Allen is a very underrated player, and I've, I was really surprised when they got him uh, for, for for like 25 million euros, I think it was, which is such a good price because he had a really really good season over in Syria. Uh, um, and Decore, you know, out of the the Watford players, if you could probably pick one, he'd probably be up definitely up there with the players that you definitely take. Absolutely. And then add sort of the flair of Rodriguez in, looking to probably sort of reinvent himself a little bit. Obviously, you know, he had that immense sort of World Cup that, you know, in the end got him to Real Madrid and then he drifted off slowly and I think he went out to loan to Bayern Munich, didn't he, I think? And he then did, yeah. I don't think he did too really much. work out there. And But I think, it, I think if it's something that Everton needed, it was that sort of flair player. Yeah. Um, because they've got strikers that can score goals. Um, and I think they finally found someone that can provide, I'm not saying he's going to provide, you know, tens of goals, but he's definitely going to be up there with, with assists, I think this season. Um, and I think from what we've just seen in the Tottenham game, I think it's very promising for Everton. I think, mm. you know, for so many seasons now we've been saying what well, their club have been saying that they're on, you know, they should be getting into those top six. And I think this is probably their best transfer window. I think I can personally think that they've had for years. Um, yeah. And, not, and like I said, on the pitch, you know, it showed. Yeah, it did. I think um, Rodriguez is, um, I think we saw flashes of what he's capable of uh, in the Spurs game. Yeah. I think for him, he seems to be very much a, um, he sort of, goes with the wind a little bit if the fans like him and he feels like he's a bit loved then I think his performance is improved but yeah. I think if fans turn on him like they did at Real Madrid his record at Real Madrid wasn't too bad I think it was sort of a goal every three games or something which isn't it's not think, horrendous he, by any means but I he, think he just yeah. didn't fit the fans did he he just and, got and, overcrowded in the end with other top players yeah. coming in and he wasn't the big player, was he? I think that's another no, thing no. that he might have he might have wanted to be the star player. And obviously with Ronaldo and Bale and all those players going through Real Madrid, then um, it was never going to be that way. But I think he's found a club in Everton that they would happily make him the star player. You know, I think the fans 
when we do get back to a bit of normality, they're going to flock to see him. And I think he's going to feel loved and I think it's going to be an environment he can do well in. But like you say, I think um, signing Allen and um, uh, Decore, I think he's maybe going to give him the freedom to do that. I'm not Definitely. quite sure where Sigurdsson fits in with all this because mm. he must be sat there thinking they've just signed three players in my position. Maybe he, it's was, the be- he was their best sort of option yeah. in that position as well. So, so I, I, think they've, I think they've been very smart. Mm. They've, I think they know that their strengths lie in... I, I really rate Calvert-Lewin, so they, they didn't need to buy a striker. They've got someone that can score goals, and he scores all types of goals. He's quite strong. He's good in the air. He's good with his feet. But now they've got someone that can provide, and I think they've got a team that will now allow them to do that. I think sometimes last year we saw if Sigurdsson or, or whoever, uh, like Bernard or someone, would go into an attacking situation, it would leave them a bit vulnerable at the back. But now I think they've got a couple of holding midfielders or box-to-box players that are energetic enough to allow Rodriguez to say, right, I'll sit in and around the striker. And I think we saw that at the weekend. You know, Rodriguez, every time he picked up the ball, he was going forward, he was providing forward passes, he was running at the defence. And it's something that I don't think we've seen for a long time in an Everton shirt. Definitely. I think I saw somewhere as well that he he created five chances at the weekend, which is the most of any debuting player in the Premier League since Alexis Sanchez at Arsenal. That um, so that's, um, that's, that's good. An early, that's an early wonders of white for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then we go on the other hand um, yeah. to the home side. Um, and you look at the players that they've brought in. Um, Doherty is a very good right back. Mm-hmm. But is he that sort of player that's going to get them into the top four? I don't think he is. As as part of a bigger transfer window, maybe, but not on his own. I think that's a lot of pressure to put on any right back, let alone, you know, it doesn't matter how good they are, really. Um, I mean, I do like him. I think he's a good, he played really well for Wolves last year. He even chipped in with quite a few goals. And he he did actually have a chance in in this game. And, um, you know, he was getting forward well, but the reinvestment that needs to happen for Spurs is, is. not just one or two players. It's yeah. it's, a, it's the spine of a team now. They still haven't replaced Ericsson, I don't think. They've um, obviously Kane up front is is a great option, but who do who do you partner alongside Sanchez at the moment? I, I don't think they've got a a centre half no. that is on a on a on the same level as Sanchez, and even he can go wandering a few a few times in games. Well, um, yeah, and uh, you know there's there's they've been asking questions of their goalkeeper as well for the last 12 months. You know, I know Lloris has been injured uh, for quite a while, but he, when he has played, he's made a few errors here and there. And I know that there are a few Spurs fans thinking maybe his time is up. So I, th- I think it's more, th- they're not a club that goes out and spends a load of money. No, That's no. the problem. And I think they need to seriously reinvest. This um, is the... They want a challenge. They're, they're, I think they're just going to mm. go backwards. This is the, the weird thing. So I don't know if anyone's watched the All or Nothing series on uh, Amazon, obviously following Tottenham last season. But the very last episode, um, the head of recruiting there, he, he says that Mourinho, in his mind, thinks that he needs four or five key players to complete that squad. And then, so that was at the end of 
last season, move forward three, four weeks to this season, I don't think Mourinho's got anyone in that he would have put no, forward. I don't think Doherty is a Mourinho signing. No, no. I don't think Joe Hart's a Mourinho signing. I know Joe Hart no. is only there, probably third choice. Um, but I, I just don't think they've had it. They've not strengthened enough for me to say that they will finish in the top six. No, I, I don't. Mean, I think Hoybjerg as well. Hoybjerg started in centre midfield um, against Everton. I can't personally see what they have seen in Hoybjerg at Southampton to warrant bringing him in. I don't. I don't, I don't think see it how was... he improves what they have. I don't think necessarily that it was them if they needed a player in. I think you've got Sissoko, Winks, Deli Alley. I think, you know, as, as midfield partnerships go, they're probably one of the best in the Premier League. I know, you know, on paper, but I don't think, I think, like you said, they, they definitely needed a centre-back. Obviously, Vertonghen left as well. Yeah. Um, you know, Kane and Son up top, Mora, Bergeron, I think they're okay in, in sort of in that department as well. I still think they needed another striker. Um, but the thing is with Tottenham is you come in as a striker, you're not going to get ahead of Harry Kane. Yeah, you so know that, you're that's always going to, if, if they approached you, that's always going to be in the back of your mind as to whether you're just going to be sat there for, you know, week in, week out on the bench. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I don't know. What? I think they'll struggle to get I think in. they'll struggle. I think they'll, they'll probably make the top eight, but I think they'll struggle. To, they'll definitely struggle for top six this year. Yeah. Unless they have a you know Someone. a great last week in the transfer window think, and bring in four or five players. But, I think it's like two weeks left, isn't there? Yeah, just, I can't, can't. I can't personally see it. They're... Even even the rumours, you know, normally Spurs are rumoured with bringing back Gareth Bale or, you mm. know, big transfers like that that you they're know is great. never going to happen. Yeah, you're right, actually, yeah. They've not they, they haven't really been linked with anybody. And I'm not, I don't know whether it's the stadium that maybe Levy's thinking, oh, I've got to pay this off. Maybe we don't go out and splash a cash on players. But he's never really been like that anyway. So I think it's going to be a slow process to get them back to challenging yeah. right at the top again. Uh, we'll wait and see, but we'll move on uh, to Arsenal and their summer business. One of them who which scored at the weekend, and they look really good. And to be fair, sort of end of last season, Arsenal, you know, were playing really well, so they've kind of uh, just carried on from where they left off. I think Aubameyang, probably one of the best strikers in the Premier League at the moment. Yeah, they need him to sign a contract. Yeah, yeah, I literally, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what is taking so long uh, to get him to sign this deal, but no. um, they seem pretty confident from <clears throat> from the um, post match interview. Arteta seemed. Oh yeah, I, I, think, I think it will it. happen. I think yeah. it will happen. It's just probably just a few niggly bits. Um, but I thought all in all, I thought in all areas Arsenal looked pretty good. Even defending, they looked pretty well, pretty good. Yeah. So, you can't say um, that every well, time. Well, I've not said that off very often last season. Um, I think uh, it's Gabriel, isn't it? The new, the new yeah. I think he um, had a good game. Definitely has. Yeah, a bit shaky, to, a bit shaky to, at the start, I think he was, hmm. but um, gave a few patters away. But I think once he hit his stride, I thought he played very well. Um, 
but yeah, I, I thought all in all, I thought I thought they looked pretty good. I know that I know it was, you know, it was Fulham they were playing, um, but you know, Fulham would have definitely been up for that game. Um, yeah, I think if they were to lose Aubameyang, if something drastically went wrong, um, I think they they will struggle to reply. I think he for them is probably irreplaceable at this yeah. present time. Yes, I think you're right. Um, I think uh, that Arteta has really changed my opinion of him the last, as well, towards the end of the last season. I think he's now sort of stamping a little bit of authority. It says a lot mm. that he's now gone from head coach and he's now officially their manager. And um, I like the way he's going about his business now. He's not, um, he's not sort of flash. He's not showing off. He's not trying to do it the, the old Wenger way. Obviously, he played under Wenger. He is trying to sort of do it his own way, but they actually played some really good football. Yeah, um, I thought Aubameyang's goal was, you know, one of the best team goals I've seen for quite a long time from their own box, um, passing it all the way in and scoring. So I think there are definitely positive signs. I thought I thought Gabriel was, uh, played well on his debut. Looks, looks like he's going to be a good sign. And a lot of people that watched him in French football say that he's a quality defender, but... I hate to say it, Chris. I think Willian on a free is probably going to be the best bit of business I have, this uh, season. I've, I've not mentioned him for <laughs> sorry, for, reason, for, sorry for, for good bringing reasons. up bad memories, but I, I thought he played really well. I, I don't want to mention his name. <laughs> yeah. His name will be beeped out, uh, so you will just hear a beep when you hear this fact. But no, no, he had um, he got man of the match as well. Yeah, he played very um, well. I was going to mention him. Um, I was. I was sad to see him go. Um, I think creative-wise, I think he was probably one of our better players last season. Um, he's probably been—he's very consistent, I must say. Over the, you know, even when we we were playing really bad a few seasons back in the Marina, he was the one player that was scoring goals. Um, and I think if it was just a year that was the deal breaker on the contract, I, I really—I just think. I think keeping him should have they should have tried at least to keep him. Yeah. But what I've seen online, kind of he wanted a three year deal. They were kind of like, well, no, it's two years or nothing. Um, and obviously we have brought in creative players, but I don't necessarily know if you're going to miss him because <laughs> you have brought in a lot of good players. Yeah. In his position, but. I just think to let him go for free and as almost as easily as you did is probably a little bit of poor business. I don't, I'm not blaming Lampard for that, obviously. Um, uh, I think it's, when, isn't it sort of the, um, like a, a rule at your club, if you're over 30, then there's no long contract, basically. <laughs> I think that was what Abramovich <laughs> brought in years ago. I don't know whether it's still there. No, but... it's still slipped through the door there, mate. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's, it's, how old are you, uh, 29? Yeah. Yeah, just uh, yeah. I just think it's maybe poor poor management somewhere in the in the in the boardroom there, letting him go so cheaply um, to a rival. If he'd have gone abroad, I could have understood it a bit more. Yeah, but yeah. When I think once they knew Arsenal were interested, I'd have, I'd have been doing everything to say no. You're not going across London to to play for our rivals. But uh, yeah, I think that's a good bit of business from Arsenal's point of view. Certainly better than the last free signing that they got from Chelsea. Um, which was David Louise, wasn't it? Was he free? 
I think. Uh, Very cheap. No, anyway. I think they paid they paid money for him. They paid <laughs> okay. like six. They paid well, like this... seven or eight million because I think Chelsea got him to sign a like one year deal, but it was only just to sell him for money. <laughs> I think that's how it worked. I, I think, think this is maybe made up for it then. So let's just swap it around and say William went for six or seven million and David Luiz was free. Um, I think it all works out then. But yeah, uh, promising signs for Arsenal. Um, but yeah, but that, that's all the talking points from this week. Um, we'll be back in part two with uh, a story, a footballing story from Liam's encyclopedia of footballing knowledge or something. I don't know what we're going to call it. But yeah, we'll be back in part you two. You could just call it Google, to be fair. Hello and welcome back to part two of View from the Sideline podcast. And we're going to start with a story from Liam. Yes. So, Chris, this week's story involves something that's uh, close to our hearts and I think close to a lot of listeners. Of course, I'm talking about Football Manager, a game that I know that you love, a game that I love. <laughs> No, no, I talk about stop. <laughs> so uh, I've been I've basically been playing since back in the Championship Manager days. So 0304 was my first game. Yeah, I think that was probably my first as well. So I'd I, hate but, to I'd hate to think of how many hours or days or years I've accumulated on that since. Oh, it's, it's, yeah, I've wasted so much of my life, but it's been completely worth it. So um, I just I, I jotted down a few things. I had a trip down memory lane when I was doing this, so I. Um, I've got uh, Jose Julian de la Cuesta was going to be the best centre-back in the world on that game. Uh, Lionel Morgan was about to come out of the Wimbledon Academy and be the next Ryan Giggs. And if you wanted goals, you needed to sign Evandro Roncato. It was a reincarnation of Romario, except Romario was still playing. Um, so the, it, it was heady days for the world of virtual management. Um, basically, since then, the game's gone on to be a bit of a staple in the lives of football fans everywhere. And um, I think every year we get lulled into believing their ratings for players. We believe what their scouts tell us and we believe all their statistics. That's so true. Which leads right? me when, to whenever, our story. Whenever, we, whenever someone signs someone, I always say, yeah, he's good. Instantly. Like, wait, five years in fo- on Football Manager. He's yeah. the best player on the game. <laughs> Instantly go, have I, do I know him for Football Manager? Yes, he's going to be great. Um, so that it leads me nicely onto our story this week, which involves the Monaco defender Ruben Aguilar. So Ruben Aguilar was born in Grenoble in France, and he's played for a number of French clubs, including Saint Etienne, Grenoble, Auxerre, and Montpellier. He's basically been in and around the French top flight for about seven years. So when eagle-eyed Bolivians spotted his second nationality on the game. The media in the country went into a frenzy about how he needed to get a call-up for Bolivia. This, however, was a (coughs) massive mistake on the game. And Ruben Aguilar had to release statements refuting the claim made by the Football Manager database. So he responded to it in an interview with Goal magazine, where he said, I think basically it all starts from Football Manager. They put me as Bolivian nationality in addition to my French nationality. After the meeting with PSG, it was multiplied by 100. I received lots of messages, and in Bolivia, they were talking about me on TV, saying that I was selectable. I was forced to make a statement on my page to explain that I was not Bolivian. 
So there we have it. Football manager is not always right. Who would have thought? They've never got anything wrong before, which is why Supat Rungratsami and Anatoly Todorov are currently household names banging in the goals. <laughs> Um, so yeah, oh, they got man. a nationality of a player wrong, um, and everyone in Bolivia believed it. Imagine becoming like a national hero, but <laughs> not being associated to that to that nationality at all. Yeah, it's just everybody <laughs> believes what football manager says. They just, oh, no. Yeah, great. Even hooked in the media. So uh, yeah, wonderful. Well done, football manager. Keep can on you, going. Can you? I don't know if you ever started in like lower league. Uh, team probably have like probably I'd say around like football manager 11 12 Fa- is it Fabian Brandy yeah the guy the guy with like 17 finishing and 17 yep. pace but all his other stats are terrible yeah like, he used to score so many and you could sign him literally so easily like in lower league yeah I think and he, he would just brilliant. bang the goal he just bang the goals in for you so I um, um I bought him for Walsall I was I was Warsaw manager on 2011, yeah, yeah. and his goals pro- basically got me up to the Premier League. And uh, I think about two or three years later, he actually signed for Walsall. And I thought I've, I've predicted the future here. This is where it starts for them. And <laughs> did you I think he got Warsaw? two goals in about 50 games. He hardly scored for him at all. Did you message yeah. Walsall like for, I, uh, previous to that team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to let you know, Fabian Randy scored about. Se- 18 league goals and 18 games for me for Warsaw. Uh, sign him. Oh, that's funny, isn't it? It is, it is a funny old world when it comes to football manager, but I totally agree. Whenever anyone signs a player that no one's ever heard of, and I think I recognise that name. Oh, wait, yeah, I know. Yep. I signed him I signed him for Ajax in like 2020, and it's now 2029, and he's like a folk, folk hero at the club. Yeah. But yeah, no, yeah, I totally agree. But yeah, that is it's quite embarrassing, though, isn't it? it having is, to yeah, come, having to re- release a statement saying I'm not Bolivian. There we go. Oh, that's funny. That's a good story. I like that, and it was football manager related, so always good. So yeah, uh, so we've got some wonders of white back for a third season. Probably the longest running feature I think of this podcast. Um, that's I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> it's my favourite bit, Chris, as I always tell you. Keep okay, it going. Right. So the first one actually is to do with a Dutch legend. It's quite quite Dutch heavy on this podcast today. Um, so this is to do with Iron Robin. Um, so he played his first league game in the Dutch league for 16 years yesterday, after coming on. Uh, of coming out of retirement, um, but unfortunately only lasted 30 minutes as he had to come off injured. <laughs> that's, that sums his career that's up, really. Such an ironic thing, isn't it? <laughs> comes out of retirement to play uh, in the Dutch league, and, and then yeah, 30 minutes into the game, uh, he had to uh, he had to come off. Unfortunately, I don't know the extent of the injury yet, but he's probably out for like six months or something. Yeah, like that. that's it. Um, <laughs> he's going to retire again that's it yeah. okay uh, this is the first time that Jose Mourinho has lost an opening day fixture um, in his career wow yeah so he was 18 seasons unbeaten first get, first uh, opening day Lord, that is impressive uh, all three promoted clubs lost their opening day match, which is the first time that's happened since the 13-14 season. 
when the three promoted clubs all lost. You can have a guess at who you think that those three clubs were if you want. What in 13-14? Who would have come up then? I'll give you a clue. One of them is still a Premier League club. Two are are not. I'm going to say Crystal Palace. Palace is one. And I'm going to say Hull. Hull is the other. And ooh, Cardiff. Cardiff is correct. Oh, that's a good guess. Then. I was about, I was going to give you a clue saying it is one of the Welsh clubs. <clears throat> and last but not least, uh, Virgil van Dijk has made two errors leading directly to goals in his last four Premier League games, which is the most um, he actually registered in the, his last 154 games. And Chelsea have just scored a penalty. Sorry, I've just tailed off. I wondered where you. I thought you were getting a little bit quiet for a minute there. Yeah, uh, has just scored a penalty. Um, so yeah, he uh, he only registered one error leading to goals in 154 appearances for the club. Um, but in his last four, he has he has uh, done it twice. Not that good after all, was he? Van Dijk out. Get rid. In come Chelsea, he on. We're used, to, we're used to making errors at the moment. Yeah, exactly. You've had years of David the week. Okay, right. Your teaser. Your teaser. Yes. I've so got would you like me to repeat it? Well, you said Dutch football. So now yes. I'm thinking Dutch players that have played for Chelsea. So the first one that came to mind was Winston Bogard. Um, but he never played for Liverpool. Although no, more is it. the pity, to be honest on that. I don't think he ever played after he went to Chelsea, <laughs> Ma- did he? I think he Ma- signed and then that was it. Mario Melchior. Did he is not a Dutch player play for Liverpool. Chelsea. No, he didn't. Zenden. Dutch. Did Tick. play for Chelsea. Tick. Not sure he played for Liverpool. Come back to him. But then it, it's got me thinking, is the person actually Dutch? But you've just said tick. So yeah. Because <laughs> I thought you were struggling, so I thought I'll give him a bit of a hint. So, yes, um, I, can, I can confirm. He started at PSV. He so is Dutch. Dutch. Is that like a rule of thumb? If you start your career at PSV, you must be Dutch. Um did Sunday never play for Liverpool? We didn't play that much for Chelsea, but I know he definitely played for Middlesbrough. You said Middlesbrough, didn't you? I did say, yeah. Chelsea, Middlesbrough, Liverpool, Marseille and Sunderland were his last five clubs. He definitely played for Middlesbrough, but then I thought he just retired. I thought he was quite old when he came to Chelsea. But... I think you need to believe in yourself. Oh. Maybe I'll go for Zenden then. I think, yeah, <laughs> you, you were basically there anyway. So, yeah. So, he did play for Liverpool? He did. So, he oh. played, uh, so he started at PSV uh, in 1993 and played there until 1998 when he went to Barcelona, uh, which is, I mean, I, I didn't even know he played for Barcelona before he went to you I guys. Completely I completely forgot you even said Barcelona to you. PSV and then Chelsea. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, I thought you plucked him out of some obscure Dutch team. But no, no, I was just thinking of Dutch players. And then obviously he went to Middlesbrough for a year uh, on loan, and then he went to Middlesbrough for a year um, as a permanent player. 
and then Liverpool bought him. And then he played 23 league games for Liverpool in two years. So he was a bit part player, really. Um, I'm just having a look at his stats now. Yeah, did he move to... Oh, uh, well, actually, meh. He did, I mean, he did play many league games, but he played a lot of cup and European games. So, yeah, he had 49 games for, in two years for Liverpool uh, before heading off to Marseille and then finally ending at Sunderland in 2011. Where did you... Um, what year did he sign for Chelsea? 2001 he signed for Chelsea and then he left in 2003. So he played 59 games for you in total. I must have seen him live at some point, I think, because I would have definitely gone to the games in between those years. I also thought he was a good player, to be honest. I mean, he, he did, he did sort of hang on a little bit too long at the end of his career, I think, but... Um, yeah, like the Sunderland days weren't great. He was, I suppose, if you could compare him to any sort of, he's a bit like Christian Eriksen. Not saying he's probably as good as Christian Eriksen, but they're not known for pace, but they're yeah. technical sort of. Yeah, that's right. There, yeah, I think he could play everywhere, couldn't he? I mean, he was. I think he played left back and both wings and attacking midfield and all sorts. But yeah. Yeah, he was a good player in his day. He actually, I was quite surprised. I was having a look at his stats earlier and he's got 54 appearances for Holland. I didn't think he'd have that many. Um, but yeah, he's now a coach back at PSV and he was your assistant manager for a while, Chris. I don't know if you remember that. Cool, when was that? Uh, that was in 2012. 2012-2013. He was your assistant manager. Oh, that, was with, uh, that must have been Hiddink. 2012, yeah, because that was the year Di Matteo got the boot after winning the Champions League. Uh, when Rafa Benitez took over as manager, oh, so it uh, says yeah. um, in November 2012, yeah, 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 that's, yeah, because that was new... when Di Matteo got sacked. Yeah, so and then Rafa go. came in. Rafa won a Europa League, you know. He did. It wasn't like with many Chelsea fans, but I quite liked him. <laughs> I thought he was good. I thought he was good. Um, that Europa League is quite memorable for me because my car broke down at work um, and I did not leave, end up leaving work till about 10 minutes before kickoff. But luckily, I wasn't too far off from where I lived back then. So, But I almost missed that final. It was very Dutch heavy this week. I'll, I'll, I'll maybe go for someone who isn't Dutch next week. The guy that scored the winning goal in that game, Ivanovic, you see he's coming back to Premier League. Uh, yeah, it looks like West Ham, I think. Yeah. They love they yeah, love their true. old sort of right backs, don't they? Yeah, I mean Zabaleta's <laughs> only just gone, hasn't he? <laughs> I, I thought Ivanovic had retired a long time ago, to be honest. Yeah, he's, been I, playing, I think he was... he's been playing in Russia, hasn't he? I think or something like that. So. Yeah, I think it's gonna. I think it might be a little bit too much for him to be starting every week. That's not making the podcast. Mocking. Sorry. Mocking. I'm not mocking him. He was a a great player, but he's 36. He's he's one of your best centre backs you've ever had. Melberg. Yeah. Melberg passed, didn't he? I I would not hear anything bad said about Melberg. Do not not say anything bad about Olaf. No. You've got a have a look at him and you know he scored the first goal at the Emirates that's going to go down in history you know so uh, he's a, not not just a club legend but an Arsenal legend as well mm. sort of sort of <laughs> he's hated at Arsenal yeah, yeah. cool 
Well, at least I got that right, actually, because I've been pretty crap at getting your teasers right, to be fair. So. You did. You did um, get it right. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and find a few new formats, but I'm, I'll, yeah. I think that will be a keeper. Oh, I good. think I might use that again. To be again. fair, after after I got past ending, I was I was struggling to think of any other Dutch. I I thought Rude Hillet, but I thought no, that's all way too way way <laughs> yeah. back. He definitely didn't play for uh, any of the other teams. So yeah, yeah. Rude turning out for Sunderland would be something, wouldn't it? <laughs> anyway, anything else? Nothing from me. Oh. Right, well, we will be back next week.